welcome to a Movie Scramble podcast interview special. Today I'm having a chat with Jonas Chernick and Jeremy Lalonde, who were at the Glasgow Film Festival to promote their film James vs. His Future Self. The first voice you will hear is Jonas, followed quickly on by Jeremy Lalonde. The pair have a lot to say about their film and the conversation is very, very interesting. I hope you enjoy it. I'm going to keep it simple. Twelve years from now, you figure out how to send me back in time. I am you from the future. I'm from the future! You, you're from the future! We, not you, you, me, you, we are from the future! Okay, that's good! Thank you for your interest in the, in the film. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Um, didn't know anything about it, obviously, before the festival. Right. But well, there's so many films at the festival. It's yeah, to some 230, yeah. 240 oh, films, films. So, which is not bad for uh, a festival in Glasgow. Oh, it's great. Um, yeah, it's I think very it's, well programmed. I think it's like the, the third biggest in the UK, oh, in which the UK. obviously the UK is not a massive market no, in terms of film festivals, but it's still pretty good. Yeah. Well, just they have a great presence. Just walking around the town, you feel like you know the festival's on. Yeah. Or, yeah. You know, you go to some other festivals and it's like, do people in town know that? Like, you go to a restaurant and you're like, oh, you guys here? Are you guys from out of town? You're here. Well, we're here at the festival. Like, there's a festival? It's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. there's a festival. Where it's like every restaurant I've been in, there's a poster in the door. Yeah, it's Whether very it's well. Like, it's, yeah. it's extremely well organized, well publicized. The hospitality, they take really good care of the filmmakers here. It's Have you ever been to Sitches? No. The Sitches Film Festival, that is. Haven't been there yet. Excellent. It's like the whole town almost becomes a film festival yeah. for uh, a week and a half. It's really, really yeah, good. I've been there a couple of times. Yeah, it's a genre yeah, it's good. Sudbury's like that too. Sudbury's yeah, we have some in Canada that are like well, that. To be fair, your film would probably have fitted in quite nicely because it is sort of a sort of fantastic fest kind of idea, but they, they branch out and they are like comedy, obviously there's a wee sci-fi element in your film. Yeah, yeah. We've well, so yeah, we been programmed at a few really great genre festivals. Uh-huh. Um, we never really like targeted that. That wasn't yeah, something course, great yeah. for yeah. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, could have fit in nicely, but we're happy to have our European premiere here at Glasgow. Yeah, well, of course. Beautiful city, and for uh, one of the days out of the year, it's not actually raining. So it's, it's we got lucky. We got really oh, you, lucky. You, the last two days, uh, we got here yesterday. We definitely did get lucky. The forecast was not this. <laughs> like, I've been checking the forecast every day for a month. Like, oh, God. Yeah, don't do yeah. that. Yeah. No, no, it's best not to. I agree. We, we I tend not to. Even like Glasgow's an island, or it's on an island, so it's like the weather changes. Oh, yeah. 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 Apparently, it's. I think it's half of the year it rains, at least once a day, so yeah, yeah. So you get used to it, you get wet. Yeah, but it's also more of a drizzly as opposed to like a downpour. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, of course, yeah. It's not quite yeah, as bad as that, bad. let's face it. <laughs> so, film began, you two, at, I believe it was a premiere you were at for your previous film, 2016, and brought the ideas together from yeah, there. Yeah, well Jonas and I have known each other for, we met uh, in 2012, I want to say, around yes. there, we we both had sex comedies at the Santa Barbara Film Festival. And even though we were from Toronto, we met in California uh, the first time. And so from there, we kind of got to know each other as like actor filmmaker, but also writers. And so we'd share scripts back and forth over the years. And then he was in my previous film, How to Plan an Origin in a Small Town. And then. Um, Great think. title, right? Absolutely. How do, you want to see that you don't, movie, don't you? don't you? forget that title on a hundred. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think it's on iTunes in the UK, by the way. <laughs> nice. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out. Thanks, buddy. <laughs> uh, so when uh, the time came for this, 
I uh, what I knew is I wanted to do something in this realm. I wanted to do something sci-fi-y, time travel-y potentially. And Jonas and I were sitting down, and I said, "Do you have any ideas?" Because I also wanted to collaborate with Jonas, and he had one idea. Yeah, I only had the, I had one idea, and it happened to be a sci-fi idea. And it was really just the nucleus of this. It was. A, a guy goes to a man goes to battle against himself from the future. Yeah. Um, and I always thought of it as like kind of an odd couple, sort of they're the same person but they're totally different. Mm -hmm. Maybe a roommate. I wasn't sure what it were they roommates or I, I knew one of them the older version was going to try and steal the girlfriend. This is how it started. Yeah. That's all I had. Really vague idea. And we just kind of ran with it. Jeremy was like, oh, let's 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 flush that out. And then over the course of two or three years, we, we developed this, this script. So you were collaborating on the script. You were sort of going back and forth to take. Do you work together? Do you work separately? Yeah, we, you, we never stood over the same computer and typed. Yeah. We we would we, we get would, together to talk about big picture stuff. Like story sessions where we'd break the story and, mm -hmm. and try to figure out what it would look like, and then we'd go off and one of us would write a draft and then send it and do notes and then maybe re I, one of us would rewrite it and back and forth like that for a while, and then at a certain point. Right when we started to get into production, I, I, I stepped away as the writer and said, from this point on, I need to put on my actor hat. Mm -hmm. So you are now the writer. Changes, you will make all changes, and I'm happy to consult, but I have to think about this now as an actor, which yep. worked really well. Obviously, when you say you moved on to the, the actor part in the film, you are on screen for, what, 95, 96% of the film. There's only, I think there's only two scenes where you're, oh, you're not actually from the centre. Yeah, so. so obviously the pressure is on you to deliver more than anybody uh, else in terms of... Up, <laughs> <laughs> it's too late, I already fucked it up. Oh, no. so, that's what I was going to say. What, was there a certain amount of pressure on you? Because obviously you, you had the background in that you were yeah. part of the writing process and development process, but then obviously you're from the centre and you're basically having to carry this film in terms of the acting. No pressure, because we cast... We cast Daniel Stern, and, and, uh, <laughs> as long as he's in half the movie. And, but we put all the pressure on him to deliver. The, we, gave, we gave him the best part, and yeah, put the pressure on him to deliver. But honestly, I didn't feel pressure I, mm -hmm. for a few reasons. Number one, my greatest joy in this world is acting. So when when I'm on set, and I have a great character and great words to speak, uh, I, I'm in my happy place. I, I, it's hard to feel pressure in that environment. Secondly. You gotta trust the director. I trust this man with my life, and I feel completely confident that if I if I'm not delivering something or if a moment's not working, he will not move on until we've got it. That's incredibly comforting, and it allows me to to relax and do it. Um, and the third thing is that having written the character and been with the character for two three years. I just, he's in my bones, like the characters, it's, there's, there's some discovery involved, for the most part, I'm, I'm just relaxed into it, I've been with this character for a long time, I understand mm -hmm. this character, yeah. as well as an actor can, most actors come on board and they, they read a script and they're playing that character, you know, within a, a number of weeks or days, yes. but in this case I've been with the character for long enough, so, didn't feel the pressure, Maybe I should have. <laughs> yeah, it's a funny thing. Like this is the first time I pre-sold a film. We, uh, our wonderful producers, did this amazing job of doing pre-selling the film in some areas before we even, sh before our first day of shooting. And for me, like, there's a bit of pressure there where I'm like, oh shit, people are gonna watch this for sure. <laughs> we can't. We're normally just like, let's make a film and hopefully it sells after. 
but then I think it all goes away because it just becomes about the day-to-day work, and it's like, are we serving the story? And I think that's where Jonas is the leading man, someone who is, as you, you know, he's carrying the film on his back. <laughs> but it's like, he doesn't think about that because he's just trying to serve the story and serve the character and the greater piece. And so I think the reason why he probably doesn't feel the pressure is because he's given himself away from that and he's just there to be what this movie needs at the moment, which is like the best thing you can get as a director is an actor who is just present and there to play. <laughs> and there to just like find stuff. What he said. Yeah. Sounds very good. Yeah, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In terms of obviously your collaboration, you're known from from what I've read previously about being a an actor's director. Oh. It sounds very flattering been, and everything. I've, yeah, it's very it is very flattering. So what does that mean in terms of your process towards actors? Uh, I think it, what it means uh, is that I don't give bad notes. I mean, I think it's just that I know I I understand enough about acting to know that they have a process. I know different actors have different processes, uh, and it's not about me trying to get a specific thing out of an actor, but about trying to find a real moment, the truth of the situation, and and giving them and giving them the freedom to find it, but also like knowing when to step in and give little cues and little help, and but not to dictate a performance, because I don't believe in that. Mm-hmm. I worked with one actor who's a great actor once, who was just like, I just want to get it right, and I told him, I was like, there's no such thing as getting it right. We're just trying to find stuff. Yeah. And if it's different every time, that's okay. It's like, but I don't believe you can get it right. I believe you can find things, and sometimes it's about, you know, sometimes it's hard, I think, for an actor to do all the, the levels the scene requires in a single take and so in my brain is I'm also an editor so it's like I know what moments I need so as we're going through takes I'll do we'll do a take in this vo- in this vein knowing that I'm like I'm going to use this part of this take for this but then I need a different ramp up for something else and some actors they can do that whole thing and they can go through a big long scene and be able to get to all those places in one but if you can't then it's about breaking it down with them mm-hmm. and finding those moments individually. And that doesn't mean the actor is better or worse, it's just that some different actors work differently. And so your job as a director, I think, is to figure out how your actors work and how to best work with them so you can serve their vessel. Yep. Okay. You know? And there's no good or bad thing about it, it's just knowing that everyone works differently. Mm-hmm. And how do, you, how do you work with each individual actor and not treat all actors the same way, because you can't. No, no, different beasts entirely. How does that work with yourself then? Obviously, you obviously work with Germany, Jeremy, not Germany, sorry, that's, that's a terrible slip. <laughs> On a couple of occasions now, but how does his approach differ to approaches that you've had with other directors and other projects? Is it all in an indiv- is it very, a very individual thing depending yeah, yeah. on the project, or is there a, almost like a type? of director that you have, there's a sort of the more actors director, there's more sort of director that sort of stands back more and deals with sort of overall picture and the actors are just part of that. Yes. So yes, that there's there's a there's a there's a range. Yeah. Uh, there's a spectrum. And he is cruel. on the spectrum. Yes, yeah. yeah. Uh, and no and he, and 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 my favorite directors are are the ones who, who who aren't intimidated by actors, who yeah. know how to talk to actors. And a lot of directors, and even good directors, don't really know how to talk to actors and mm-hmm. are uncomfortable talking to actors. Uh, the, for me, the best collaborations are directors who, who are not afraid to get in there and talk to the actors. 
who have a very specific vision, they know what they want, but at the same time they're open to this this discovery process that Jeremy's talking about. That's that's the sweet spot for an actor. You want a director, you want to feel like your director knows what he's doing and has the big picture in mind, mm -hmm. but also is open to change and trying new things and, and experimenting. And, and uh, I also find that I, I've worked with the same director several times, a number mm -hmm. of directors I've worked with multiple times. And, and I like to do that. I, I feel like the better a director knows me, and not just me as an actor, but me. Yes, of course. Yeah. Yes, the, 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 more, the more trusting I am and the better they're able. But Jeremy knows my tricks, he knows my shortcuts, he knows when I'm being lazy as an actor, and he can respectfully and tactfully you know, point that out or gear me away from it. Mm -hmm. And um, and that's what that's what I need. That's what I want. It's, yep. a, it's ideal for me. I don't have to do all the work. I can let him do all, <laughs> a lot of the heavy lifting, and I can just be. Oh, yeah. But to speak to that too is just like I think the, the the best relationship a director and actor can have with each other is they both trust each other. Yeah. So I can I can trust you to walk. I think to to give it a metaphor. I want to create an environment where my actors feel safe on the tightrope because there's an I'm the, I'm the net that will catch them, and they don't have to look down, they don't have to worry that it's there. And it's like they can just do the, they can try something more dangerous that they're not that maybe is uncomfortable for them, but that you know we're not going to use it if it's bad, but also it might inspire something new. We're not scared to try different things, even mm -hmm. though I might have something specific in my mind. I want to know what they're going to bring to it because that's why they're there. Yeah. Okay. Know? So continuity within like sort of cast and crew is very important to you then, because it creates a sort of a shortcut then. Sure, shortcut. Yeah, that's the best way to say it. It's a shortcut. Well, you just know each other and you know your and you kind of know what you can push to. Hmm. And I find that I, what I think, I think one thing that I get the actors director comment too, is because I put the time in getting to know the actors. And so I'll know there's part of their personalities that I haven't seen on screen yet, but I can get out of them in a performance. I think a lot of times people have seen my stuff that certain actors have been in, and they're like, I've never seen that side of that, that actor. actor do that before. Or that side of them, and I'm like, that's because you've never seen them. Hmm. Like you've never seen them be who they are uh, in an authentic way. And so for me, it's about trying to find something authentic and trying to find something interesting. And I've been lucky that I've had to be able to sp spend the time to get to know so many great actors that they've given me that gift of themselves to be able to be comfortable to put themselves on the screen in a way that, you know, even though we're making, we make comedies, like, I think you still want to find the truth of something and, and being able to tap into a human being's essence is like the greatest playground ever. Yeah, yeah, I mean, as you say, it's a comedy, but there are elements in it where it's... Yeah, it's kind some, of rooted in something. There's some real sort of... Uh, like sort of dramatic elements to it and some quite sort of hard sort of truths in there as well about not fulfilling the, the promise of a relationship and things like that as well. So yeah, it's, it's nice that you can encapsulate that in a comedy. It works very well in this case. I really thought it was, it was very good that way. You've used the same composers on a couple of occasions as well. Now there's two composers in this. Do they, did they work together or they, were they doing separate pieces? Yeah, so Ian and Steve, who are amazing, they were just nominated for uh, a Canadian, two Canadian Academy Awards, one mm -hmm. for original score and the original song that plays at the beginning of the movie. Uh, this is the second time I've worked with them. They also did my previous film, The Go-Getters. 
they're magic. They're uh, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, a very amateur musician myself, mm-hmm. and so what was really amazing about working with those two guys is their guys that just they come with. It, it's very similar to the relationship of working with an actor. Uh, and any creative person, I find a lot of these relationships are very similar. Like I want to kind of see what they bring to the table, and I'll throw in a little bit. I think like the the note I gave them, it was like we wanted to have, uh, especially that opening song. I was like, I kind of gave them the only note I gave them off the top was like, I'd love to be there. Like, what if Brian Wilson did the score for Blade Runner? <laughs> this is kind of the note I gave them, and they were like. I think do that. (laughs) I mean, it's incredibly specific, but it sounds incredibly difficult. Yeah. Yeah. And to their credit, they kind of came up with... Oh, they nailed it. They nailed it, I think. And so, but what was fun is like, they've got this great little studio in Toronto, and I would be able to pop by at night or whatever, and you know, I'm the kind of person that can jump on an instrument and be able to like, hey, I love what you're doing here, what if you like just, and I'll do a very bad version of it, Mm -hmm. uh, and add this kind of thing to it. And they'll riff on that and make it better, or like in the opening song we were playing with this thing, and I was like, what if there's like, and then I go, woo, and then Ian's recording me, and then just being able to play with them was really nice. I don't want to give, I don't want to take, any, give myself any credit for that, but it's like, it's just more like, it's, it's again, it's very much like working with an actor, where it's like, you get to go in and you get to play, and you get to challenge each other, mm-hmm. but they're also like two guys that are incredibly hard on themselves, and they'll, they'll do something, and we'll listen to it, like, this is incredible, and they're like, no, nah, I hate it, I can do better. And it's like to work with people that are just like wanting to constantly outdo themselves is such a great gift as well. Mm-hmm. How early in the process do these guys come in? Did, did you have them, for instance, did they see the script yeah, so yeah, they so get an they, idea yeah, of they, it? Yeah, because I worked with them before, they, they, I knew I wanted to work with them on this as well. They mm-hmm. read the script. It wasn't like they have any, any major notes like that, but they can start thinking about themes and just like yep. sounds and stuff. Uh, but we brought them in, I think they saw like the first cut of the film, yeah. just to give them a sense of it. And I had some like some temp score in there, which I'm kind of, rel- I, I, I put in because I think like your test audiences need it, but I almost wish I could strip it out with the composers, because it's the same as like, I don't want to give an actor a note before they do a scene for the first time, because I want to see what they're going to bring to it, and I don't want like my bad initial thoughts to cloud mm-hmm. them. But I also tell the composer, I'm like, when you listen to the temp score, know what's in there for like an audience, it's written in sand. If, if I'm over here doing something red, and you come in going, actually I think this song is green, mm-hmm. uh, do that, like go in the opposite direction, I'm going, go by your instincts. I really, really respond to like, it's same, and that's the same with an actor, it's like, just because the scene is written dramatically, try playing for comedy, maybe it'll play better. Like, let's try different things. Uh, don't, like, I'm, I'm willing to throw away my bad first idea in, in the risk of trying, trying to find something unique and new. Too, yeah, right? That's well, not you always hear about directors falling in love with the temp score, and yeah. it, when it comes to it, they basically ask the, the, the composers to do something that sounds... Yeah, mimic in, it. Yeah, and it. that, it's, it's not, not exactly like that, but it has the, that certain feeling, and there's obviously... There's very famous occasions like Stanley Kubrick, for instance, yeah. who liked his temp music for 2001 so much, yeah. he just used that rather yeah. than the score is run for it. Yeah. Uh, so I take it you can separate yourself from that quite easily because you know it's just part of the process. He can, but to his great credit, there was one song, he put a he put a, a, a pop song, Cheryl Crow. Cheryl Crow song in the middle of the film mm-hmm. that plays from beginning to end over like a key sequence. Yep. He used it as a temp track. And when myself and the other producer in the film, Jordan Walker, when we watched the first cut, 
we were both in tears and we turned to each other and said like we have to get that song that was the only piece of music I think that remained from the first he, cut. He says to my credit, it's the producer's credit for getting the song. I, it's, <laughs> it's easy for me to like put in an amazing iconic pop song, but uh, you know, on a low budget indie film, it's like, it's a but producer's But a set. song like that by notable artists wasn't, but the, the, yeah. a song like that where lyrically, musically, Everything. thematically, tonally, it just 10 out of 10 on every category. Mm -hmm. That's a skill. That is a skill. Like I know you've been wanting to use that song. But, I mean, that was yeah, that's cool. that song. I've been wanting to use that song for 15 years. So it was just it was like perfect time for the place. Uh, and then we got lucky in a couple of. Other, I think the only thing else that that there's a couple of songs. No, I think that's probably the one that from the original like. But we ended up that, building the set, so we licensed. There was that. Oh, Let me give you the. I want to give the other one. Okay. Go ahead. So the only other thing I think that survived from my original like scoring of my, of using stuff. Although we read it, we did our own version of it. Was oh, yeah. the one bottle of pop <laughs> during the the brother and sister drinking montage? Yeah. I put it in thinking everyone's gonna give me a note saying they hate this. We like that. Everyone loved it, so our Ian and Steve we redid it, and actually the people singing that song are his wife, me, and our kids. <laughs> yeah, we got our. And that was Ian, our composer's idea. Yeah. Was let's keep let's definitely use one bottle of pop, but let's get some kids in. So his <laughs> kid, his son. Your kids, my kids, they all got into the studio and nice. sang it. So that's really really nice, yeah. yeah. That's excellent. Um, obviously, I haven't touched on your supporting actors yet. Uh, touch them. <laughs> yeah, please touch them. I was, Appropriately. I was, interested <laughs> in, I was interested in the way you introduced <laughs> the two of them in very sort of different ways. Daniel Stern was introduced in a way that it was almost like an action scene. If you really falling into the dumpster and all yes. this sort of stuff. But it didn't give very much away about his character. It was sort of the bare minimum, obviously, so that that could be developed. But Francis's introduction was just spectacular because within one very short scene, you got exactly what she was like. And that didn't change throughout. I thought that was really good. Was that, was that a deliberate thing in your part that you wanted to kind of introduce them in different ways? Because you could have introduced Daniel's older James character in pretty much the same way as well, you know, like, there you go, this is a character, just in one shot I think one it's shot intentional scene. as far as, with the, with the introduction of Jimmy, Daniel Stern's character, we wanted an element of mystery. Yeah. We, want, we want the audience leaning forward and going, who is this guy? What's the deal here? What's the relationship? What's the backstory? Whereas with Dr. Rowley, played by Francis Conroy, it's the opposite. You don't have a lot of time with that character. You want to really establish who she is immediately. Yep. And so I think that opening monologue and the way people respond to her, very telling of the character. But we also have to give credit to, to the actors. Oh, she, oh yeah. Francis Conroy, yeah. she just knocked it out of the park. And as much as you know, we will take credit for writing that bit, she elevated it to a whole other level. So you mm -hmm. do feel like you get that character right away, and, and that has as much to do with what she brought to the table. Yeah, because yeah, it's amazing because she shows up and then she's not in the mood for another half an hour. That's right. Yeah, there was one more scene that we just trimmed out just so we didn't need it, and she's in shortly after that. But it's just her doing more of the. I just watched it the other day, and I was like, oh, it's such a fun scene, but you don't need it. But it's just like, it's just, I, just, I miss it in the movie just because she she's so great in it. Uh, but yeah, that's just the luck of like having an amazing actor. That's just the luck of working with incredibly talented actors who can create these memorable characters in seconds. Obviously you've got James and you've got Jimmy, two characters, and I like the way that you just said at the beginning, this is how it is. You, did, you didn't explain time travel, you, you just said, it works. Yeah. <laughs> Which 
put it out of the way and that kind of built your world for you because yeah. then that was just there so therefore you could use that to explain the differences between James and Jimmy as in he's taller yeah. he, <laughs> he doesn't speak the same but did you did you actually spend a bit of time working with Daniel because obviously there's a lot of small touches in there that certain things that you do that he kind of mirrors and it's very kind of subtle ways just yeah. like, uh, oh. sort of movement and things like that uh, and the way, the way they react so there's there is stuff in there but how much time did you actually spend with him doing that? So um, there was a there was a period where I thought I was going to do a, a, a Daniel Stern impression for my character. So yep. we were we were watching while well, we were in prep for the movie. We were roommates, and every night we would have watch a different Daniel Stern movie. Yeah. And I would I would take notes on what how he speaks and how he moves, and I was very excited about this. And, and Jeremy was kind of watching me from the sofa from the couch and thinking. Uh, and eventually he, he said, it's great that you've been doing all that research, now throw it all away. Because this isn't about mimicry, this isn't about, you guys are different people, that's the point. Yeah. And so I appreciated that and felt like this was the way to go. And so I think what you're looking at and what, you're, what you've noticed very astutely is, is mostly Jeremy figuring out visually how he was going to mirror us. And, and the physical stuff, very subtle, very little things, mm -hmm. uh, we're all collaborative, we all kind of came up with that in prep. Um, yeah, and I think for if, if anyone, if I wanted anyone to do an impression of anyone, I wanted to go the other way. I wanted it to be Daniel finding little moments where you see James sneak out. Mm -hmm. Like when he first sees Courtney for the first time and he becomes a bit blubbery and nervous, like yeah. Daniel has that great moment. That's one of my favorite moments of his in the film where he's just like kind of off his game for a bit. You know, it's just little stuff like that. But I think that was the trick, is the idea is like, this guy is someone different. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's been one of like the real rewards of getting feedback in the film and, and reviews that kind of like let us know that nobody's bumped on that. And I think that was something we were very nervous about, with people buying that he's the older I was family. especially yeah. nervous about that. I, 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 I used to have yeah. paranoid worries that like, that's going to be the downfall of the movie, that no one is going to buy that we're the same person. Mm -hmm. We even had... Literally, not one person has has come up against this. It's, no, it, it, it just works. And well, like you say, you, you set out <laughs> you set out early, so therefore you just accept it. Time travel spreads you, yeah. changes you. Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy would always say to me, "Dude, our movie's called James versus Future Self. We're telling the audience before they were, they're paying money to come and yeah. watch a movie. They know it's about a guy and his future self. They already bought it. They mm. literally bought it already." There was a. A lovely wee touch right at the very end of the film where they're sitting in the cafe in Switzerland and one of the versions of you actually has the yeah. beard and the, the white hair. I thought that was just, that was really Thank good because... Thank you for noticing that. That just, that just cut, uh, sort of calls back to the fact that he is so different and it's like a, another version of him, if you like, you know, that hasn't gone through the whole time travel experience, but he still looks like him. I thought that was yeah, particularly well thank done. Thank you. Yeah, you're, you're one of the few people that... No, I think people get that, but... No, no, I we haven't to, talked about to, to put a point on it like that... It, that was... The, the point is that is to kind of let the audience know that he doesn't become yeah. the Daniel version of Jimmy. Yes. We did have a, a, a five-minute conversation at some point about whether or not that should be Daniel Stern in the cafe, and yeah. Jeremy... It was me questioning Jeremy going... No, of course no, not. Of course he not because become that guy. Yeah, he, he yeah. doesn't go through the process but of... But the, but the beard the is... Beard, yeah. you know, and that's also a little bit of... Uh, we have to credit Cat Crisp, who is our brilliant uh, sort of, uh, you know, hair and makeup coordinator, and, you mm -hmm. know, and, and, and Blake Arsenault. Uh, they work together to kind of come up with those looks. And yeah. Jeremy and... I think that they did a good job. Really did enjoy the film. I know you probably get like quite a lot saying, I love the film. It's no, great, but no hey, it was good. Anytime you hear it is always nice. 